listening to the Filmmaker Happy Hour on X-Ray FM, KXRY Portland, an interview show that talks with filmmakers and film festival directors about the state of cinema in Oregon. On today's episode of the Filmmaker Happy Hour, our host, Phil Bussey, takes a trip to Baker City to explore the special space that houses the Wheelicum Short Film Festival. For this episode of the Filmmaker Happy Hour, we are out in Baker City at the far reaches of Eastern Oregon, out near Idaho. Although the film festival that we are here to talk about happens in the heat of summer, it is a cold January evening, and a range of low-lying mountains head off towards the distance, all covered in snow. We're here to talk to Brian Vetter, who is the director of a short film festival appropriately called We Like Him Short. Baker City is an old railroad town at the turn of the century, bustling with traffic, and now the remnants are wide boulevards, uh, restored downtown, and a lot of cattle farmers. The film festival is a little bit on the artsier side of town, though. A little bit far flung from downtown Baker City, it sits in the Churchill School, an old elementary school that has been repurposed as an art collective with a fake gorilla standing sentry on one side of the sidewalk leading up to the doors and with a metal rhinoceros on the other side of the doors. All right, we're going to head in. Good, Brian. How are you? Nice to meet you. Great, we are walking into the Churchill School and greeted by uh, the co-directors, I'm assuming. Yeah. <laughs> All right, hey buddy. Hi. Hi Pat. Oh, look at you. Hi guys. How are you? Come on in. Awesome. This place is fantastic. Why, right, thank you. I mean, it's obviously an old uh, elementary school, I'm assuming. It is an old elementary school. Great. And, uh, and repurposed here for uh, arts. It, that is exactly yeah. it. I like the gorilla, the rhinoceros that we were greeted by. <laughs> Do you mind just taking us for a little tour and then we can sure. sit down and talk about? No problem. So this is our main hallway and it's uh, also known as the Hall Pass Gallery. Um, and so on every first Friday, we have a gallery opening with new artwork and new artists. And then we also have these studio spaces um in some of the old classrooms so we have a group studio space here great i'll just follow you down underneath the uh swordfish that is hanging over one of the studios so this is our group studio space and we have amy and emily van gasbeck that are uh, mother daughter that uh, use this space and then we have blake musselman um, who's also a co-collaborator with us in the haunted studios that we do every october so the basement, for all intents and purposes, is a haunted house in October. And so this past year, we had a rotating cast of people, and uh, two of the actors that came uh, were Joanna Priestley and Paul Herod. Oh, fantastic. So they came and did an artist-in-residency with us and did work on their films um, while they stayed here. And then on the weekends, they dressed up in costumes and 
scared the little kids that came through. So it's 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 a it's a, a big nexus. It sounds like of of art and film and uh, paintings and stage performances. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so this is um, our fireside studio, and it's a, a space that we do workshops and can be utilized as part of a self-directed artist in residency program. And this is the space that Paul and Joanna used while they were here. So she had her station set up in one part of the room and he had his set up in a different part. And uh, we have a printing press and um, tomorrow we'll have uh, life drawing. We do a two hour uh, life drawing session every Saturday. And then later in the day, we're doing a block printing um, workshop and we'll use the printing press and carve linoleum blocks and stuff in here. And so I mean, it's, it's clearly an artist's studio with, with paintings up, but it's also the past is also very present with the uh, old green chalkboard yeah. uh, and, and, and even with being used to announce uh, different increments of time, it looks like. Yeah, so like those up there, like the, the times that the models um, do for uh, the life drawing session. So it's like real quick um, poses followed by um, a break and then long poses for you know more detailed work. So yeah, and then it's also a place if we're doing other presentations, we've got a drop down screen in here. So if it's a little bit more intimate presentation, like this is the room that we do it in. So. Um, We've had authors' talks, and like when uh, Paul and Joanna were here, it overlapped with First Friday, and so they both did presentations um, about the work that they've either done in the past or the work that they did while they were here. So Paul was under a non-disclosure agreement, so he didn't show anything that he had currently been working on, but had this great presentation about Isle of Dogs, and then Joanna showed what she had animated over the two weeks that she had been here. Oh, fun. Really, really cool. Yeah, it's got to be really neat for people to see uh, something that's that fresh, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it's right out of the oven, as, it's, as it were. Yeah, exactly. That's great. And so how, <laughs> when was this last a school, and, and when did you take over? So, uh, and how did you take over? I mean, is this, is this sponsored by the uh, city of... Of, of Baker City, or is this separate, or is... Totally separate. Okay. So, in 2002, they stopped using it as a school. Um, and we, uh, we ended up buying it from a couple who had bought it at a public auction in 2007. And from 2007 to 2018, nothing was done with it it was just used as storage and so we had proposed a fair number of ideas to the couple that owned it as far as how they could use it for the arts and with each proposal they were like that is a really neat idea but we're not sure how we're going to really make money doing that with it so We'll pass. And so come 2018, we had just come back from three months living in our trailer um, in warmer temperatures over the winter. And we had heard that they had sold the rest of their personal properties. Like they had rental properties and just, you know, investment properties. 
and this was the only thing that they still owned in Baker. And so we called them and said, hey, are you guys ready to sell? And they were like, well, you know, maybe uh, for the right price and blah, blah, blah. And so um, we put our house on the market. It sold within like a week. And then we negotiated for another two months. Oh, wow. That, that is very vulnerable. <laughs> so it so. was very nerve wracking. Like they, the, we were like, well, I mean, we did like living in the trailer, but yeah, maybe we're going to be living in the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> so it was very much like uh, you guys waited for a decade and then it was sort of <laughs> right. And then hurry up and wait again. Right. And, and, so, and I just want to point out, so sure. we're standing outside here, a bike hostel. Yes. So, so actually a bike and ski hostel, which uh, Anthony Lakes is fantastic little or fun little ski area nearby. So you have, whoa, lights just went on and there are eight or four, yep, eight. four, eight beds, four bunk beds. How fun. Yeah. And so like, this is one of those sort of unique things about this space is like, we knew that we wanted to do a hostel. Like we had been the directors of the Baker City Cycling Classic for 10 years. Um, and so it was like, we would like to have that aspect of, you know, what we do incorporated in here. There's a lot going on, obviously. And so we're, we're, we're heading now towards the auditorium where the film festival happens. Is that yeah. correct? So let's um, like go through the backstage area. <laughs> right, there, which, is, which is the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> and then that takes us. And now are there also, sorry, I'm just, I, I, are there also, I'm seeing a poster for The Clash. I'm seeing the poster for Death Cab for, Cute, uh, Death Cab for Cutie. Uh, these are, these have happened elsewhere. Yeah, they have. So, like, um, I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago, and this poster for um, The Good and the Moviegoers um, was a band that I had worked with in Chicago. Their, um, this music video that I did for them that featured my wife as the star um, sort of helped to blossom our relationship. And... Uh, so, um, and then the poster next to it for What About Zoe, The Twigs, and Stuart Davis was actually the concert that I filmed and the day that I initially met her. Um, so she had been doing hair and makeup for the band The Twigs, and they were like, oh, Brian, this is our hair and makeup artist. And I was like, nice to meet you. Anyways, about the set list for tonight's show that we're recording. And then <laughs> it was several months later at another gig that I was emceeing that they were playing that I formally met her. And uh, now the rest is history. Yeah, and a couple decades later, you <laughs> yeah. guys are, are uh, far flung from Chicago and, and uh, in the uh, Eastern Oregon mountains. But I think that also explains some of the, um, the genesis, it sounds like. So you, yeah. you made film videos. That was, that was, was that your initial step into filmmaking? It was. So like I had gone to Savannah College of Art and Design um, in uh, 1991, and I was studying um, like video and film there, and then um, I just wasn't—I wasn't in love with the program or the other like students. Like Savannah itself was a fantastic place and extremely inspiring, but I was, you know, surrounded by kids who were like how many classes can I miss and still pass? And I was like, <laughs> man, I just want to, you know, make stuff. And so for a lot of like my school projects, I would go to the teacher and say, 
hey, I've got this idea. Could I do this instead? And he would be like, oh, since you've got a fully realized idea as to what you want to do for this lighting project, sure, go ahead. And so after that first year, I, I went back to Chicago and I started doing um, some production assistant uh, work for a photographer that I knew. And her husband worked for the Illinois Film Office and also was a location scout. And, you know, this is sort of at the time when uh, cable access was, you know, a big thing for people who wanted to do something creative but didn't have a lot of money. And so I started doing a live music show um, in 1994. And the first band that we had on um, was this band out of Boston called The Figs, and they were touring with Weezer. And then it just snowballed from there. Like, it was sort of pre-internet in some sense. So it was a lot of phone calls at that time to record labels that, you know, oh, hey, I want to do this. And then we got eventually got enough of a reputation and enough of a relationship with people that I sold footage to the BBC of Billy Bragg. And uh, I got called from Electra Records and they were like, yeah, we got this band, Oasis, coming to Chicago. We think you should go to that show. And I was like, well, okay. Um, <laughs> and so it, uh, after um, almost six years of doing that show, um, Green wanted to move to New York because there was just more uh, in the fashion world there than there was in Chicago. And I was like, well, sure. I'll go to New York. <laughs> and then once I got there, I wasn't getting the work that I liked. And so I sold off all my equipment and then I started painting. And it was in 2005 that she came back from a job in Oregon with Urban Outfitters. And she was like, yeah, so Jim said that if we wanted to move to Oregon, they'd still hire me and it's really cool there. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and so that that December, we came out and visited, um, and we were we originally landed in Bend um, and spent six months there, and had some friends say, oh, you know, you guys would really like Baker City. And so it was like, okay, we should go and visit. And like it. This place, Churchill School, was on the city's website as a property that they were selling. And so we sent them a message and we we're like, yeah, so is that school still for sale? And they were like, oh, sorry, it's sold already. And then we we're like, okay, well, let's move there anyways. <laughs> you know, and, and, and it is, it's, uh, I, it is, Baker City has a lot of familiarity, I would say, to Bend. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, standing in the parking lot at the Safeway and looking out at the, the snow-covered mountains. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it doesn't have, I think, what, what Bend has picked up in the last decade, which is a lot of Los Angeles. Sure. Um, you know, Baker City feels like it still has very much of its, its cowboy uh, and its opportunities, and clearly being able to open uh, what you have here. And so we're standing now on a stage, yeah. uh, the, clearly the, the old auditorium. Uh, I don't think that this is how a setup is an elementary school, though, with a uh, full <laughs> drum kit, uh, some keyboards, uh, and mics, and, and it is set up to, to rock out, as it were. Um, and, but it does. Your story from Chicago to New York uh, to here makes more sense, as does, and I'm making some assumptions here, that idea of making 
short film videos about music. Music videos yeah, mm -hmm. plays very much into your film festival, yes. which is short films. Yes, it is. Yeah, and you know, like we had started, um, so there's an artist that lives here named John Simpkins, and John and I met um, in 2006 in Bend, and we started a film series at the Sisters Movie House called Talkies. And we showed art-related films, and then after the film, we'd have a dialogue about the film that we just watched with the audience. And that's how I met Joanna, is that she was at Caldera at a residency, and she came and premiered the piece that she had created during that residency uh, with John and I. And then, you know, here we are in 2022, and still close friends with her, and because of her, we've been introduced to so many other like great Northwest filmmakers and great Northwest animators. And so the, when we got to Baker, um, you know, basically a year after that, I was approached by the, the local theater owner, the Eltram, which is owned by Teresa McQuiston and her husband, Dan. And they were like, hey, we'd like to be part of First Fridays. You know, like the art walk seems like a really cool thing. And, you know, and that, sorry, that's the movie theater that's downtown. It looks like a 1940s, 50s. Yes, with, exactly, with a, 1940s. Okay, um, neon out front, mm -hmm. you know, sort of classic, but it also seems to now show the, the Spider-Man and the Marvel movies. It does. Yep. Um, and so when they proposed, like, you know, showing artwork, I was like, you know, I don't really think it's a good fit because, like, where are you going to put it? Like, are people who come to look at the artwork going to distract the people that are here to, you know, go to the movies? And... But, you know, I have this idea, we used to do this thing in Sisters with art films, like, would you be interested in doing something like that? And so for about eight years, we did that, on, and it was called Thursday Art Night, and so it was the last Thursday of every month, and we'd have a different film, and sometimes filmmakers would come, like we had Brett Eichenberg um, come, and we had uh, Ben Morgan, who was part of the Eastern Oregon Film Festival, um, come and show his film, um, Quality of, it's, I think it was called Quality of Life, and it was about graffiti art. And after like the first year or two of doing it, Terry and I were like, you know, we should do a film festival. Like we should do a shorts film festival. That would be really fun. And so the, the first year we got like 13 entries. And then- and Was that mostly local filmmakers? It was mostly or locals and we had one, um, from out of the area, but had a local connection that, you know, submitted. And then, you know, the, the, uh, the next year we had, I don't know, 15 or 20. And that year, one of those filmmakers was like, you should, you know, get listed on without a box. And I was like, I don't know anything about this. And he was like, oh, it's the way that people submit films. And so, you know, we pay them the thousand dollars to get set up and, you know, be on it. And, you know, all of a sudden we've got like, you know, 50, 60 films to choose from. And, um, and this too is like back at the time where they had to physically send us a DVD. And then I was down visiting my parents in Sedona at the Sedona International Film Festival, doing some volunteer work and um, Film Freeway just like randomly cold calls me and they're like we have this you know website and we will create one for your film festival blah 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 it's all free and i was like 
well, I mean, if it's all free, sure, okay. And so I meet a filmmaker at the festival and I tell him about this and he was like, oh my gosh, Film Freeway is so great because I don't have to pay an additional fee for every festival for my screener. Like I just pay once and that's it. And then I can submit it everywhere. And I was like, well, this sounds great. We should just use them. And you know, like we all know now, like they're the main go-to and there is no without a box. And, and so, um, yeah, the landscape changed really fast. It I did. mean, as, as, as it does, you know, in the, the, the dot-com era mm -hmm. and then 21st century, but it changed very fast. Uh, and, and Film Freeway has, has uh, provided that infrastructure that small film festivals or and any size film festival right. just needs. Yeah, uh, and so it really changed it dramatically for us to where now we get, you know, films from like 35 different countries each year. Your focus is really on animated and comedy. Is correct. that is that correct? So our first three or four years, it was just open-ended. And then the more that we did it, the more Terry and I were like, you know, we really like the comedies better than anything. And I'm a huge fan of animation. And I was like, we should just switch it to just comedy and animation. like. As much as some of these, you know, dramatic films are great, we can still have them if they're animated. To me, like the reason I love animation is that it's solely coming from the artist's imagination. Like in stop motion, everything has to be created from scratch. Um, and that's something that's so different and so magical about that medium. And so that just, I. I just really love it. And, and it's such a choice of aesthetics. Right. Right? I mean, from the color palette to the images of the characters. Uh, uh, and, and it does. It has, and it's also very um, egalitarian in that <laughs> you don't need to have the special effects per se. Right. Right? You can create this entire world out of cardboard and clay if you want. Right. Now, Brian, we just have a, a, a minute or so left, so I just, mm -hmm. just real fast, just um, tell me what, what people expect when they show up here. Uh, and so, I mean, you obviously, it's, it's a film festival. You can buy a right. ticket and you, and you watch a collection. And, and we sit in this auditorium yeah, right so here, I, so. I will uh, turn some lights on so you can see. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's, uh, your, it's your classic um, auditorium slash basketball uh, <laughs> practice area. The one of the basketball hoops is pulled up and otherwise, you have some, you have movie chairs, yeah. uh, red movie chairs, and then you also have uh, your, your old school elementary fold-out tables. Yes, and um, we also serve food out of the uh, old kitchen from the school, and um, almost every year, like the only year that we haven't had filmmakers in person was uh, 2020. Um, but any filmmaker that's here, like, after their film shows, we pause the, uh, the screening, bring them up and do questions and answers. And we've also done it where we've had guest filmmakers. So like Paul Herod came and did a presentation of Isle of Dogs in 2019. And in 2018, we had Mark Gustafson come and do a presentation about Fantastic Mr. Fox. And he also announced that he and Guillermo del Toro were doing Pinocchio together. And so that was really fun to like have that be part of the festival. But that's one of the things that we've um, done over the years is we've worked with directors who do animated features 
and have them come. So like it's a, it opens sort of this opportunity for filmmakers and for audience members to really get to know like how it works in the feature world when it comes to filmmaking. But also um, we had Shell White and he came and showed a lot of his commercial work. So like his puppets for the anti-smoking campaigns for the state of Washington, which were like so great. And he passed them around and everybody got to see these things. And, and so that's the thing that I try and do with the festival is really get it so that the audience can engage with, you know, great filmmakers, um, both people who are just starting out that have submitted films and then uh, directors that we personally contact and say, hey, how would you like to come out and spend a weekend? Is this, it's probably not a problem that you worry about, but part of that seems like you don't want to grow too big. Sure. I mean, I, I, I don't think, I don't know if you're worried about that yet because so much of that is wholesome has, wholesome as a word has so much baggage to it, but like there is something so wholesome and authentic about what you're talking about and how this festival is, as well as intimate, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and so if you got to, you know, uh, you know, a thousand people showing up or however, you know, <laughs> suddenly it starts to maybe lose some, do you ever worry about, is that a concern ever? Um, you know, it's not really like, um, there are still times where people will be like, well, what is it, like, how does it work? And it's like, well, you could see all of the movies. Um, you know, it's not just one each night. You know, we have like 15 to 16 in a, you know, like 80 minute screening. And, and they're like, oh, okay. Um, but it's also weird because people are used to going to studio releases and you know that that's not the sort of thing that in eastern oregon is normal yet even though we've been doing it for 14 years it is the sort of thing where it's those in the know that come out and really enjoy it and and we do have people that come over from walla walla and spend the entire weekend um you know we've had people from bend come over it's um to me you know like i'm just thankful that we have the opportunity to do a festival that I think is really cool. And as it's... it grows, it's just great. I mean, I think that uh, one of the things that we're seeing is that, you know, we do like a free night. So like opening night is always free now. And so we started with um, a local partner and we would do it in the park. Um, and so they do movies on Thursday night in the park all summer long here. And so we were like, hey, why don't you do the film festival for Thursday night? And they were like, that's a great idea. Let's do that. And so we did that for a year and then COVID came along and then we did them all free outside. Um, <laughs> it's like um, the last year we did opening night free and then the rest of them indoors. And that's the way I plan on doing it this year too. But it's the, it is the sort of thing where yeah, like I want it to be the sort of place where um, filmmakers want to come and have their film shown and to have an enjoyable experience in a place like this. And so, you know, do I want it to grow where there's like, you know, 200 people here? Sure, that would be awesome. Like we couldn't have a thousand if we wanted to, but it's, um, it, it is the sort of thing where, you know, these are just great movies. And so if there are times where it makes more sense to us to be like, oh, let's just make them free because there's this pandemic going on. Like, I'd rather do that than have people not be able to see them. 
Um, but I want to see, I want people to see them together. And so we've never looked at doing a virtual version of it or an online version of the festival. Um, and I don't think we ever will. Like to me, it's, you know, eventually the films go online to where you can see them, you know, and it, it's, it's fascinating too to like scroll through like HBO Max or Prime and see films that have been part of our festival and be like, oh wow, look at that. There's the dishwasher. Oh look, there's two balloons, you know, and be like, oh, we had that before I was on this thing where everybody can see it. And yet it's the sort of thing where going to a festival is so much different than finding something accidentally. Or oh, or yeah, and just sitting at home and watching it. I mean, being here in Baker City, being here with, <laughs> uh, as you stare, there's a, there's a golden sort of a steampunk uh, octopus at the back of the stage. Uh, th I mean, there, there's no doubt that this is a one and only type of place. Sure. It, is, it is fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing the time with us. Uh, uh, this you're is, welcome, Phil. This is Phil Bussey. It's the, on X-Ray FM, the Filmmaker Happy Hour. Thank you for listening, and thank you for coming out to Baker City with us. The Filmmaker Happy Hour is a production of the Media Institute for Social Change and X-Ray FM KXRY Portland. Our host is Phil Bussey. Our executive producer and editor is me, Carly Meisberger. Thanks for tuning in.